From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Today, I have Troy from Tedco. Troy, it's really nice to have you on. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So to kick us off, Troy, can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as your organization? Sure. Okay. First of all, Brad, thanks for having us. We appreciate you having myself and, and, and giving me a chance to talk about Tedco. So Absolutely. quick about me, I'm engineer, computer scientist, MBA guy by training. have been blessed to be able to work in places like McKinsey, Southwestern Bell, Bell Labs. I have my own firm, a couple of my own firms. I started other, I started a family office, a couple of family offices and started a couple of venture firms. And then was blessed to be able to go work at the same time as the COO, CFO of a couple of HBCUs, Jackson State, Howard University, and the University of the District of Columbia, and got to consult to another 15 or 20 of the HBCUs. When I was at UDC, I got to be here at TEDCO. And TEDCO is a Maryland's, and we're 25 years old. We literally just turned 25 years. I've been here three years now of that 25. And we are Maryland's early stage technology and life sciences fund. And there's really, and I'll close, there's three parts to TEDCO, and then we'll get into more details, but there's our tech transfer side where we really do work with the universities to move that research into a commercialization. We have our investment side, which most people know us for, and I can talk more about that later. And then we have our eco- ecosystem support side where we're literally investing in the ecosystem. So we're, support, we're wrapping around that entrepreneur to make sure they have all the tools they need for success. That's awesome. What's your story? How did you get involved in all this? Obviously, you've done a, a multitude of things and lots of innovative stuff. How did you decide, hey, Tedco is the place to be and you're passionate about what you're doing? The real short answer and easy answer is I got recruited here. <laughs> but the reality of it is I'm a person of faith and I just believe this was uh, God's mission for me. I tell the story of my mother who's deceased and also my sister who's deceased. So my mother told my sister and I, as we were growing up, her version of the golden rule was that the, the good Lord has put you on this planet for one reason and, and one reason only. And that one reason is to make a difference in one person's life. The challenge is you do not know who that one person is or when they're going to come into your life. Therefore, you have to make a difference in everyone's life you touch. And so that's that principle has guided me. It guides me to this day here at TEDCO. When I see entrepreneurs who come with li- literally napkin ideas or concepts in their heads, and that we're able to take them through the process, get them funding and get them to a maturation and even a scaled process is touching someone that I might be needing. That might be that one person my mom told me I had to touch. Absolutely. I love that. You see a lot of entrepreneurs that you're involved in a lot of these founders journeys. What are some of the tactics and strategies that you see companies that are successfully using? What does that story start like and how do they grow to be a big successful company? I'm going to probably answer your question a little different than you. Than, so when I first got into this game, you know, I won't age myself, but let's say many moons ago, I got a chance. I was running in a, in a family office, and we were the limited partner LP in a number of the very famous Silicon Valley funds, the Kleiner Perkins of the world, Sequoias of the world. So I got a chance to go out there and speak to these, these giants, these kings of the industry. They gave me time to speak with them, and they, they told me two things. They told me to, and this is more the investment side, but it relates to the entrepreneur side. The first thing they told me was, we've lost more than we've won, but our wins are home runs and grand slams to make up for the singles, doubles, and triples that we lost on. So that was one. And two, and, and more relevant to your question, 
we always invested in A quality people that have a B quality plan and never the reverse. The answer to your mm -hmm. question is about the, at the end of the day, I'm investing in somebody, not their idea. Their idea could be, it has to be at least a decent idea, obviously, right? But the whole, the real point is that I'm investing in Brad and Brad's ability to execute on that and Brad's willingness to listen to me and other investors who, who might, that what you have is the beginning of the idea, but it's not the idea. So the real answer to your question is, it's those entrepreneurs who are willing to listen, to be part of it, to allow me to be part of their journey so that they come up with an idea, but the thing that's really gonna really scale this thing is gonna be taking in counsel and guidance. So that's eight quality people who are coachable uh, versus the B, eight quality people with a B quality plan. Absolutely. I love that. Are there any reoccurring lessons that you see entrepreneurs learning? You, you say, Hey, if you're an entrepreneur out there, watch out for this and that as you're going through this journey. Say you have that A plus team and they have the B plus idea, but you know, they're fast learners and you know, experiment and figure things out. Is there any, Hey, by default, I just warn people of this or that and try to get them to learn this lesson, not the hard way. We just had a situation, I won't name the company, where a company we had funded several years ago, and they they came back because they realized that the path they were on, and they didn't, they weren't quite listening, was wrong. And they did, they spun through our money, some other people's money, and they came back with a more compelling idea. And I guess the point I'm making is that, that I, 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 my, my marketing folks uh, won't let me put out a hashtag. I want to put a hashtag, and you guys might edit this out what I'm about to say. I want to put a hashtag out that says, this shit ain't linear. And I think understanding the non-linearity of this process is the learning, to answer your question. That there are fits and starts. There's a lot of no's before yeses. We had a panel come to in, in Techco, a number of our uh, diverse founders, and all of them said, many, they said, the first time we came to Techco, we didn't get a yes. We got a not now, not now. And too many times founders hear no, and they don't hear not now, go do this. They just hear no. And I don't know any founder that, that's had some significant success that didn't get more no's than yes. No different than the, the investors who only hit single doubles and triples or even get outs. And they have to make that up with the home runs and the grand slams because of the losses on the other ones. And so I think the answer to your question is entrepreneurs need to realize the non-linearity of this process, the willingness to take no's. And a joke when I'm around fundraising, someone taught me this. They said, when you're out fundraising, you got to learn that when Brad tells me no, I go away from six months and I come back to you and ask you again. And you tell me no again. And then I wait another six months. And I come back and ask you again. <laughs> and so until you tell me, hell no, get out of my face, or I'm tired of you, let me fund you. That's when <laughs> I love that. I think I've started companies and grown them. And I think on average, it takes eight or nine or 10 or 11 touch points with someone or a prospect or whatever to make the deal happen. So yeah. there's a lot that goes into that. I think people don't think that they're, I think what happens is the media and the headlines get caught up. People see the successes and they don't see the journey. They don't see the sausage making. Uh, they just see 25 year olds, the next multi-billionaire. They don't see the process that it took to get there. And I think we do ourselves a disfavor, both as a society and as an ecosystem, not spending more time about what the journey really is. Back to hashtag, hashtag, hashtag Yeah. 
a, an early mentor of mine, he told me, Hey, you want to be an entrepreneur? Be prepared to build about five to seven companies before one really takes off and is super yeah. successful. So yeah. There's a lot that uh, goes into it. So you guys have a really strong brand. You have lots of content you're creating, lots of stuff going on, awesome stuff on the website. How did you decide to go all in on content and brand? And that's, that's a question for our chief marketing development and marketing officer, Tammy Thomas. She has been, she's an amazing individual, amazing executive and uh, counselor to me. But look, I think there's two parts to it. There is, or three really, there is telling the Tedco story and letting us know. I think the other is telling the story of our portfolio company. We act as, a, in many ways, as branch marketing arms for them, giving them content to be able to get them more exposed. And I think the underpinning of both of those is how do we then get into markets and demographics that we hadn't been historically into, whether that's Black women or Hispanics or Western Maryland or Eastern, Eastern Shore. So it's not just about how do we reach, but how do we reach really sub-markets that we need to reach so that everyone, the, the, the thing for me is, there's not a zip code in Maryland that shouldn't know about TEDCO and should have access to TEDCO. Whether they have a good idea or not is a separate point, but they should at least have that, that ability to approach TEDCO with their idea. Absolutely. Love it. What's one of the most difficult challenges you've faced in leading this organization and how'd you overcome it? I don't know if it's a challenge. It's I'm a believer in the coaching. And so investing in our team, staying focused on investing in the team. I believe in, I have a, one of my axioms because I talk, that's how I talk. I only want eight, I only want people on our team in Tedco that other people want. Why do I want someone on the Tedco team that nobody else wants? Continue to invest in them, giving them opportunities to grow and build and, and frankly make more money is part of what I think about all the time. Absolutely. If I do that right, then they'll, and doing that through our core values of accountability, collaboration, integrity, and respect and stewardship. If we do those things, as I talk about, those are guideposts to how we do what we do for the ecosystem. For sure. What's one thing you wish you would have uh, known when you first became a CEO that you know now? Well, yeah, I've been a CEO since I have a different organization since I was with my early 30s. And I was told by one of the gentlemen, he told me very clearly, said, being the CEO, everyone wants the chair, but no one understands the loneliness of the chair. And that he's right, because... At the time, you have to make the decision and everyone will come to you with their version of data and their version of the truth and their version of the facts. And you've got to knit that all together, pierce through it, and then make a decision and Absolutely. be held accountable. In my experience, you got to make a lot of hard decisions and you're never going to make everyone happy. I don't, be clear, I don't believe in happy. Let me be clear. That's funny you said that. I actually don't believe in happy. I could give you, Brad, everything you want. I can, but I can't make you happy because there'd be something else going on in your life that will make you unhappy. So my job is not to make you happy. I actually believe, but people laugh when I say, no, I'm not to make you happy. My job is to give you a safe, engaging, and secure learning environment with, with clear objectives. That's my job. My job is not to make you happy. Absolutely. I can make it fun. Absolutely, I can make it fun. But not yeah, <laughs> for sure. So if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, wow. Chill out. That you don't have to go as fast as you think you got to go. This is, this truly is a marathon. And enjoy the day. I just sent a note out. I do every other Friday, I send a note out to the team. 
And today I sent a, mo a note out to them and I called it Precious Moments. What I do now, Brad, I wake up every, literally every morning, I count my fingers, do this with my fingers, and I wiggle my toes, all 10 toes. And I said, oh, I'm functioning. Thank Love you, God. I'm functioning. What do you want me to do today? Love that. What's one piece of advice or words of wisdom for other entrepreneurs out there listening today as we wrap up? Yeah, I think it's back to respect the process. Respect the process. It's, it's not linear and that it's not overnight and that patience will serve you well. But the last thing I'll say is think about who's around you. I, I think enough entrepreneurs don't spend enough time thinking about who they might put on their team, who they have in their kind of circle. I tell my kids are young adults now, it's, you can only rise, Brad, to the highest level of the lowest levels of friends you keep around you. So you want to be a thug, just be a, you'll be a damn good thug. That's what you're going to be, a thug, right? So the point is, if you're trying to be a good entrepreneur, get a good entrepreneurs around you. We are our, who our friends are. I'm forgetting the exact same. Birds of a feather flock together. Troy, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all your words of wisdom and insights. Appreciate Thank it. You, you have a good day. Have a good one. Be well.